0: This is Metal Mike, and in this episode of the 80's Glam Cast, we talk to a glam metal pioneer, former Tiger Tails vocalist, Stevie James. We talk about his various projects through the years, and he tells his side of the Tiger Tales story. Check it out. Stevie, welcome to the 80's Glam Cast. How you doing today, my friend?
1: Hey, Mike, how you doing? I'm, I'm okay, yeah, I'm, I'm doing okay. Great. How are you doing?
0: oh I'm doing great so your most recent release uh, is a covers album called Time Machine Uh, what do you want to tell the listeners about that release I
1: I did it with a guy called Phil Vokins who I used to be in a band with uh, pre-Tiger Tales in about a band called Crash KO with Ace on drums and uh, that was I think that was about 82, 83 so I'd known him you know, I'd known him a long time he's a great guitar player And uh, we just got chatting about, you know, covers and stuff. And uh, I had the Living Without You song that I recorded as part of the private hell sessions in Sweden. And I basically just had an acoustic uh, version of it. And he came over to my house one day. I played it to him. He said, you've got to release it. And I said, well, you know, it needs tidying up. It needs this and that. And he said, well, let's go in the studio and do it. So we went in the studio, did uh, did that version of Living Without You. I don't know if you've heard it or not. But, um, yeah, we we did that, and we got talking, and we just thought, you know, bugger it, let's, let's, uh, let's carry on and do some covers. And we basically did a lot of 70s. There's a few 80s songs on there, but most of them are 70s songs that we really liked and bands that influenced us, you know?
0: Yeah, I was wondering, that's what I was going to ask you, were these songs that meant a lot to you guys, you know, when you were younger? So they did, Yes.
1: Yes absolutely yeah if, uh, you haven't got it there but in the sleeve notes it tells a story with every with every tune that's on there you know what i mean like when i was a kid we used to have the radio on in in uh, on a, especially on a sunday when we were having sunday dinner when i was uh well I, I can't remember how old i was 74 so i was about 12 something like that and a lot of a lot of these tunes especially the gordon lightfoot one i used to hear all the time you know and, and they resonate with me and and phil was the same with a lot of the tunes that that he chose you know we did a 50
0: 50 on that yeah there's a uh, I i really enjoy it i think it sounds great and if somebody who hasn't heard your voice in a long time i mean your voice hasn't missed a beat man you still sound spot on like you did in the early days so
1: oh thanks man I, most people disagree they say i'm useless but uh, that's another <laughs> story but yeah i mean uh how can i explain it i Back in the day, I mean, you know, when we did stuff, it was always rushed all the time. This was more on our time and how we wanted to do it. If that makes any sense, it does. It does. You know, and uh, no, and uh, and the Cherry Curry thing, Cherry Curry thing, came about because uh, I jammed on stage with her when she played in London. Uh, we did a cover of Kiss, "Do You Love Me," I think it was, and uh, that stemmed from there. And we really wanted to do Gypties, Tramps, and Thieves, but. We wanted a female vocalist, you know, and uh, I mentioned it to her, and it just went from there, and uh, we ended up doing that, which I think was, it came out really, really good. It's a shame shame more people haven't heard the record, to be fair.
0: Yeah, it it was funny. I gotta tell you, I'll I'll be honest, a lot of the songs, excuse me, I didn't know. That was, the Cher song I knew, and I think the Gordon Lightfoot song I knew, but a lot of the other ones just missed my radar probably because like you said they're more from the 70s and i I got into music more in the 80s but my two favorites yeah yeah my two favorites were um look at last night and uh wild one forever man when i listen to look at last night i can't i can't get it out of my head i'll listen to it and it'll be stuck in my head for like an hour um and i know that's
1: That's Slade.
0: yes i did some research i mean i know that's Slade. And obviously, I got into a lot of Slade songs through Quiet Riot and you know different bands that redid their songs. So, so a lot, a lot of them, you know, with with them, they, you know, maybe weren't huge in America in their time, but you know, other bands brought their music here and, and got it big.
1: Yeah, yeah, I was going to say yeah, Slade and stuff like that. It's mainly an English thing, I suppose. And uh, obviously, the Tom Petty wasn't. You know, that was uh, that was a tune the Phil chose off the uh, off the first Tom Petty album, which was great. And uh, I wasn't really... I, I knew the song, but I didn't know it that well. And, and as soon as he played it to me, it just brought a lot of memories back. And basically, that's what it, thats what that album does for, for both me and and obviously for Phil. It brought a lot of memories back. And, uh, you know, we just wanted to pay tribute, basically.
0: Yeah, and what's funny with Tom Petty... He, I've never really been a Tom Petty fan, and I, I think I realized why. I just... I respect the man, I just, I never got into his voice, so when you insert your voice on it, I like it, you know what I mean, so.
1: Well, thank you, that's fair enough, I suppose, but yeah, I mean, I've been a Tom Petty fan for a long, long time, you know, I, I like most of the stuff he did, and uh, that that first album, and the second album, you're going to get it as well, I, I I've got both of those, you know, I've had those since I was a kid. So um, yeah, those songs, like, like I keep saying, they resonate resonated with us as uh, you know, as individuals and and both of us together. So that's that's basically why we did it. You know what I mean? There's a there's a Steve Jones song on there as well, which is um, I, I think it, it, it I think we did a great, really great job on it. You know?
0: Yeah, the whole thing sounds great. So when we talk about, and I've been talking about your voice. I, I think you have a great voice. I think you have a unique voice. Uh, who are some of your influences from the past that that come in to, to make up who you are? Who do you, who do you think?
1: Well, like I say, I grew up in the 70s, you know, and uh, I'm a massive Black Oak, Arkansas fan, so Jim Dandy was one. Uh, I also, you know, I, I saw Van Halen supporting Black Sabbath, and Dave Lee Roth was like uh, a, a, a continuation of Jim Dandy, if you like, you know. They're not great singers, but they're great. They're just great showmen, you know what I mean? that That's kind of what I was like. I mean, I'd have loved to have been Robert Plant or Steve Tyler, but I don't have that kind of voice, you know? So, yeah, it was all about entertainment for me as well. I liked a lot of showmans. Paul Stanley, one of my favorite vocalists from you know, from rock bands and stuff. But, uh, yeah, that, that's how, how it kind of went with that.
0: One thing I like about your voice is you'll have kind of like this this main voice that you sing in, right, and then all of a sudden, every once in a while, you'll hit into a screeching voice. And I'm assuming that's maybe something where you would have got from an Aerosmith or, like you said, David Lee Roth does that. Is, uh, that, where, is that where that came from?
1: Absolutely. Abs- sorry, I'm interrupting you. Sorry. Yeah, absolutely. I, I wanted to. Be, I was a wannabe Steve Tyler with all that yelping and stuff. Yeah, definitely.
0: Well, it worked good because a lot of the '80s bands. There's some bands that they screech their vocals completely, right? <laughs> so,
1: I was I was going to say that you know that I think that's what set us apart from from most of those other ones because you know you've got uh, Vince Neil the guy from Pretty Boy Floyd long after that glam singers for some reason they were always really really high whiny voices and uh, I, you know I I couldn't get that high anyway and I never wanted to sing like that you know what I mean so that, that's what I think st- stood us apart from most of the other the other glam bands that were around at the time.
0: All right, so let's let's get into Tiger Tales. So, so many people love the debut that you are on, Young and Crazy. What are some of your memories from making that album?
1: Oh, jeez, I've got tons, you know. People say I was always pissed and, and uh, out of control back then, but, you know, when we were doing stuff, I was always sober. So I, re- I remember it all. I mean, pre-Young and Crazy, we, uh, we went in the studio and did an EP. I don't know if you've heard it. It's Shoot to Kill EP, which has got... Shoot to Kill, She's Too Hot, and Living Without You. It came out, came out before the album on our own, our own label. We paid for that, went in the studio and recorded it, and a guy called Tim Lewis was, uh, was mixing everything, and he was great, you know? And uh, after that, we started building up massive following in, in this country, huge, you know? Playing Ended up playing Two Nights at the Marquee, and, and no band was doing that unsigned, nobody. Not even the London bands. But we got picked up by MFN, Music for Nations, and what we'd, we'd already recorded that album, call it Young and Crazy, if you like. We'd already recorded that about a year before. And our manager, he didn't pay the bills and stuff. So when we got signed, Music for Nations paid for the tapes to bring them into the studio. And they put us in a little studio in, I think it was Strawberry Hill in London. And basically, we went in there and redid things, you know. I don't think all the songs were re-recorded as such. But we redid a lot of the stuff on that. I redid all the vocals. I, I I had to double track every single one of them, which is the reason why it sounds a bit. I don't know. It's 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 rough and ready. You know what I mean? It's it's an album that's it's no frills, It is what it is, and I think it's it, because of the way it was. It stood the test of time actually because we'd never overproduced, because we didn't have the cash to do it. And, uh, you know, people say to me now, they say, it still sounds good to this day, which is, which is great, you know. But, um, there was, uh, there was an awful lot of stuff. We were just, <laughs> we always had bad luck along the way, you know. I think they were plagued with bad luck after I left as well. But, uh, like I say, the album was, was done long before it actually was re-recorded for, uh, Music for Nations. So, and we had to rush to write two new songs. We took off two songs. I I forget the reason why, but one of them was a song called Now You're On Your Own, and the other song was uh, a song called Just for One Night. And we ended up taking those off for for, for whatever reason. I I really can't remember why. And we rushed wrote two songs, which were Shameless and uh, City Kids, which weren't the greatest of songs, but it was, we we were, you know, we, we were pressed for time with everything we ever did i mean we, we did that album in i, I can't remember it was, it was a couple of weeks you know it was really really rushed and uh and, and the funny thing about it is we had a guy called steve james who's the son of a uh, a carry-on guy sid james in this country you might not know about that anyway he was producing the album and uh when we got the mixes out of the studio they were they were really bad so unbeknownst to him because he had points on the record we had to go back in the studio and have it all remixed by the uh, by the engineer. I forget his name. But, yeah, it, we were plagued with problems all the time. They seemed to follow us everywhere we went, you know.
0: What's your favorite song off that one?
1: Um, I really like the ballad, Fall in Love Again. I really like that a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, probably Shoot to Kill, one of my favorites as well, because it's, it's the harder edge, which is what we were going for.
0: I'm hooked on Hollywood Killer. I don't know. I love Hollywood Killer.
1: <laughs> I like that as well. It's a bit of a riffer, isn't it? But yeah, um, yeah I, I wrote that. That's a song about me and Ace because we uh, we were in LA in '85 looking for bands to be in, and that, that's all about the story that when we were out there, what was going on, you know. But um, yeah, that, it, it's it's quite it's quite a hard hitting song. You know, as is young and crazy, the title track.
0: So. um... I'm going to just put this out here. This is my disclaimer, okay? So I'm a Jay Pepper fan. I have no problem with the current version of Tiger Tales. He's been good to me. He was my first podcast interview. But you've heard that podcast, and you have some differences of of how things went down. So what I'm going to do is I'll give it over to you, and, and you can say whatever is wrong about what he said, all right?
1: Yeah, sure, yeah, sure. Yeah, but, well, basically, I, I yeah, I heard a bit of that podcast. It, it, him saying that I wrote some of the melodies is utter shit, to be honest. I wrote every song apart from She's Too Hot that went on the album. All the lyrics, all the melodies, all the song titles. Title for the album, it's all mine. It all came from my brain, you know. Uh, so I, I don't get why he said I wrote some of the melodies, which it kind of racks me off. There's there's always been a lot of backbying from them, you know, considering that, that they, you know, they gave me the boot. And uh, a lot of the people around that band have, have really, really hated on me quite badly. And it still goes on today, you know, which I find unfair. I mean, my only crime was, was uh, bringing that band out of, uh, out of the uh, the bingo halls and the working men's clubs and bringing them to the front, you know what I mean? And uh, as far as the song goes, it was a, lot, a lot of the songs, it's, it's all, it was all me, you know. The ballad, for instance, I mean... He redid it. it, it was great what he did, don't get me wrong, he redid it recently with a girl singing it as a tribute to, to Pepsi, the boy, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, that song, it, it's nothing to do, it, it, it's it's about a girl I knew, you know, it's basically a personal song that I wrote about that, and I don't get all this, you know, I don't get all this tribute stuff, and, and people, are on, people are online saying, oh, beautiful song, it's uh, well written, and Jay, lovely song, and I'm thinking, but he didn't even have much to do with that song. I mean, all the keyboards and everything had Tim Lewis, the piano parts on there. And, uh, it, it kind, yeah, it, it kind of, I don't want to sound bitter, but it kind of annoys me, even to this day, that I don't get a lot of credit for what I did. I don't get a lot of credit at all, you know? I mean, to be honest with you, I, when I first joined the band, they, they, they just didn't have any songs, and it, it got to the point where I, I just wanted to go and leave. So I, I auditioned for a band called Tokyo Blade. Mm. And uh, I didn't get the job. I was down to the last two. But uh, for some reason, another, it didn't work out. <clears throat> and I really wanted that job. So I had to go back, cap in hand, to Tiger Tales. And uh, and basically what I said is, we need some songs now if we're going to do it properly. And uh, that's where the EP came I think one of the first proper songs we, we wrote was Living Without You. You know? Which is um, it, it's? It, nobody's ever said it, but it's it's the chorus is very REO Speedwagon. I don't know if you know that album Nine Lives.
0: Uh, no, I never been big into Ario. No. <laughs> well,
1: I, yeah, I was really into them in, in the seventies, you know, and they had a song called "Back on the Road Again," and that melody is very, very similar to that, and uh, that's where it came from, you know. It, it didn't it didn't come from the pen of J. Pepper. Let's put it that way.
0: So. When it comes to your exit of the band, uh, w- w- did you agree with what was said on the podcast? Or do you have a different side to it?
1: Oh, but I was fighting with journalists and uh, and getting in a lot of scrapes.
0: Yeah, that, yeah, that's what was said, yes.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's that's bollocks. Most of it's bollocks, you know. Some of it's true. I mean, I ups- upset some journalists. Uh, the one I vividly remember, is we were all down the marquee, the, the, the four of us, Tiger Tails. And uh, they were egging me on to go and blow smoke in this guy's face. So I got a Big Cigar and blew smoke in his face because he, he'd given us an unfavorable review. And uh, I I never punched any journalists. That's a lie. Absolute lie. You know, I may be upset a few of them because uh, I was defending the band most of the time, you know, and and they were backing me up on it. It was almost like they were setting me up to fall, like a scapegoat, you know. And uh, the, the management and the record company, Music for Nations, uh, the, the guy, Martin Hooker, actually, he just died recently. The, the guy, the head of the company, he absolutely hated me. Had me in, he had me in the office all the time saying this has got to stop, that's got to stop. And it's like I said, but we're getting publicity. We're selling records out of it, you know. And, uh yeah, yeah, the, 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 I, I did get in some scrapes, but not with journalists, no. No, I may well have upset a few of them from what I said, but uh, <laughs> I absolutely did not punch any journalists. I can I can state that categorically.
0: When was the last time you talked with Jay?
1: Um, the last time I spoke to him on the phone was when the name business was going on. Because we had all that stuff with the name. We went out and started using it. They weren't doing anything. And Ace told me, I mean, I didn't, I didn't speak to Jay until the end of the, the whole situation when it, before it went to court and stuff. But Ace, Ace told me, he said, we can use the name. They're not doing anything. Mick's not, you know, Mick, Jay. He's not uh, worried about it, so we carried on using it, and then all of a sudden, this whole shitstorm blew up about the name, you know? And uh, funny enough, it was me and Ace using the name, but I got scapegoated once again for trying to steal the name of the band I had no rights to. Ace got away scot-free, as he always did. (laughs) People were saying, oh, he had bad advice from me and stuff. There was no advice. We went into it with our eyes open together. Where is he now? Um, Ace is, I think he lives in Ohio now. I'm not sure where, but yeah, he lives in the state of Ohio. I fell out with Ace a long time about his book and stuff, but I've recently started talking to him. But, um, yeah, I, I, I also, uh, I've got the emails here. I also e- emailed Mick. I keep calling him Mick, Jay, Pepper. I emailed Mick and, uh, I said, uh, did you want to uh, get together for a one-off gig at a place called the, um, I forget the place now, the under, the, the borderline, sorry, in London. It's a, a small club where, where bands used to do showcases and things. I said, how about getting this together? This would be me, Ace on drums, uh, Nick on guitar, Jay on guitar, and, uh, Kitimuka. You know, we'd do a set of, of, uh, half, half Young and Crazy, half Berserk. We'd do it all for charity, you know, because obviously the boy had died and, I said, we'll do half for um, his cancer charity and half for diabetic charity, which I'm obviously a type 1 diabetic. Mm -hmm. And he just flat out said no. So I have tried. I have tried over the years, but that was the the last thing for me. I thought, you know, after all these years, if you can't put your differences aside for a one-off charity show, then there's no point. There's no point to keep asking. You can only ask a person a certain amount of times before you get mugged off, you know.
0: So you're on board with reuniting with Jay if he if he was on board with it.
1: I was, yes, I was for that. It, just, it would just be a one-off, you know. We'd hardly have to speak to each other. But no, he, he wasn't. He just wasn't interested. I think he said to me some some ridiculous thing about I don't want to play in England ever again, and, and that's all he's done ever since. Which was, you know, basically it's it's a load of bullshit. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, I would have done it absolutely. You know. It's impossible now because the, obviously the boy sadly died, so none of that can happen. But yeah, we, we, uh, we actually talked about it and, uh, Ace, Ace is good friends with Kim and he spoke about it and I've seen him on Twitter going on about it. We did try, yeah. We did try, but Jay was, uh, he just shut the door on that straight away. He was too busy re recording the shoot to kill EP, which was, which was very creepy. I don't know if you've seen the cover to that. I don't
0: know if I, have, no, no.
1: No, I mean it. It doesn't matter what I say; they just think I'm bitter. But it's it's quite it's quite bad actually. I mean, it's, I read I read somebody online that had posted something underneath it, and he, he kind of summed it up. He said, "It said something like, oh God, this is horrific. It's like dressing your new girlfriend up as your deceased ex-wife.' You know, because everybody's dressed in the same uh, everybody's dressed in the same gear, trying to look like we all did back in the day with the new members." And it it was kind of creepy. I thought i would never known anybody any band do that before. But you know, he has his own way of doing stuff, and and that's that's up to him. You know, right? But uh, yeah, he's, he he won't give me any credit, not for nothing. You know, it's like that podcast you're talking about uh, when he said I wrote some of the melodies. I mean, it, it it's kind of like yeah, he he just did a bit of this, a bit of that. It, it's not true. It isn't true. You know. I walked away from that band with not a penny in my pocket. You know, they all carried on doing what they were doing, earning money, making records. I, I, I was left with, you know, not a pot to piss in really. So I can't, you know, I can't. I don't get all the hatred. I really don't get it, you know. And it's from, it's from people around that band and. Uh, one of the one of the guys is is now the drummer in the band. You know, he, he, I've seen him, and people have alerted me to things he said online about me. I don't even know the guy. You know what I mean?
0: Hmm. So you're out of the band. Um, what year? About eighty eight, eighty nine. When are you out?
1: Uh, yeah, the last the last tour I did was uh, was to promote Young and Crazy. I, I, it, it was. Uh, I call it the, uh, what did I used to call it? I had a name for the tour. It was, it was like the the lonely tour, you know. It's like me and those three.
0: Okay.
1: It was, some of the nights were just, some of the nights were just appalling. It was like being on stage with three guys that, we were like a gang, you know, when we first formed and did all the stuff. But it was like being on stage with, with, with myself and, and just three other guys stood behind me and there was no interaction. There was nothing. It was, it was quite bad, actually, but uh, you know, I, I I carried on and did the tour, not to let anybody down. But the last tour I did was in uh, it was February '88 because one of the one of the shows was uh, was on my birthday in February, okay. and uh, yeah, that was it. That was it. The last tour I ever did, I think, the last show I ever did with them was in uh, uh, a place in England called Lowestoft. And uh, that was that, after that, they, uh, you know, they'd obviously made their minds up before that. I'm not privy to what went on, and I can only tell you what Ace told me, so it's third hand, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, I'm really not privy to it. There's a lot of stories are going around, why it happened, what, you know, this and that. And basically, Nick said, didn't he, I, I got in a lot of scrapes, and I'd upset loads of journalists. Well, yeah, whatever. They they start they started calling themselves the wildest band on the planet and maniacs and they got rid of me because I was rock and roll twenty four seven they said <laughs> 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 I mean it's all hypocritical you know but yeah yeah they uh, they, they obviously we demoed we demoed um, four songs for which was supposed to be a single for off of Young, Young and Crazy to you know to bring out as a single. And we demoed four songs. The main song was gonna be I Want You To Want Me by Cheap Trick. Okay. And uh, I, I remember the conversation in the record company that the the, the guy who run the record company, he said, well, you know, why would you do that song? That'll never be a hit. And I just thought, man, are you insane? I mean, that was a hit in the 70s. It was a massive hit. And a glam band doing I Want You To Want Me, it, does that make sense or not? Oh yeah, you I, know mean,
0: what I mean yeah. Look at all the bands that had it did cover. Look at Quiet Riot. Well, like we said, Quiet Riot, huge hits with the Slade yeah, Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely,
1: you know. And uh yeah, we were put in a tiny little studio. We rushed in there and did this demo, which was, you know, only to see what the sound, song sounded like. And uh apparently, like I said, I wasn't I wasn't privy to it because uh, I, I was out of the band. Apparently when he heard the uh, the demos the, this Cheap trick demo, uh, a trick cover, and the other songs on there. He just said it was a load of rubbish, and basically they needed to get rid of me. So uh, that was that. Yeah.
0: So you're out of the band, and the, the guys get Kim Hooker, and they do Berserk. What are your thoughts on Berserk?
1: Well, before that, they did they re-recorded Living Without You, didn't they? They did. They did the single. They you're right. Yeah which was which was a big slap in the face to me you know
0: okay
1: yeah I, I i guess that's why they did it i don't just to show that oh we got a new singer we've done a great version of this and great that what they didn't say is that probably the probably the uh the recording and the single budget was probably bigger than the whole of the young and crazy album you know which was about five to seven grand for a whole album but um yeah yeah they went on and uh and they got, it, 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 that's another ironic thing. Kim Hooker was, a, was quite a good friend of mine when I lived in Cardiff, you know. Mm-hmm. Before, obviously before, he was in a band called Rankelson at the time. But yeah, I used to hang about with him quite a lot. So what do you think of Berserk? So, sorry. <laughs> I'm gonna get this out of you. Um, <laughs> you're gonna put me on the spot to sound like a bit of sod now, aren't you? But um, like, I, like I said to you, I, I only ever heard it, the full album, when I rejoined with Ace in 2003, and he made me sit down and listen to it, and he said the same thing, what do you think? So, I, I you know, apart from the single, Love Bomb Baby, I didn't know any of that record. So when I listened to it in 2003, it's a bit different to listening to it when it came out, which was 89, 90, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I really liked Love Overload, which is, you know... It, it's, it's lifted from the, uh, Out of the Cellar Rat album, but I like the song, you know, and I like those harder edge songs, but, uh, some of it on there I just thought was, was pretty weak, you know what I mean? It was just overproduced at the time, and it cost a shed load of money, you know, and I just thought, I wish we'd have had that budget when we did Young and Crazy, you know what I mean? Right. But, but yeah, I, I don't know what to say about it without sounding bitter, you know, I didn't, I listened to it. I just thought, yeah, it's okay. Like I say, I, I did like the song "Love Overload." I have to
0: be honest. Yeah, it's one of those ones, and uh, for me, it, it sounded drastically different because it's you have a different singer, and sometimes that's a little hard to digest. But over time, you know, I love that album too. I think there's a lot of great songs. And um, speaking of, it's funny when I talked with Jay. And and it almost seems like even though you guys have differences, I feel like you guys are a lot alike in what you like for music because he likes the harder-edge songs, right? And and you seem to like that too. Where me, I like the more pop, glammy-type songs, right? So there's a song on there. Oh, what's that? It was the one, I think it's called Twist and Shake, and it's just like a typical pop glam song, and he didn't think much of that song. And the two songs that you have that are of that same style are uh, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, and Talk of the Town. I just dig those kind of songs. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, well, I, I, yeah, I, I am kind of the same as, as him, you know. We we always wanted to go harder, always. Harder-edged sound. And that's what we were all about. And uh, they kind of took a step backwards for me on that record. But uh, I think you can tell the songs that, that Jay wrote that, that I've got that harder-edged. And... Right. Uh, uh, getting back to Cat on and Roof, I wrote that in, well, that was the first, it was an EP we did when I got uh, got my band together. And basically that was off the back of Tiger Tail. So it was kind of a, Cat on Hotter and Roof could have been a Tiger Tail song, let's put it that way.
0: Yeah. And you know what's funny is uh, we I talk about, sometimes, you know, you probably see this on your YouTube videos, uh, people like to comment and 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 talk shit right on your uh, on your videos so somebody had made a com- <laughs> right so somebody made a comment that like oh you know jay doesn't know what he's talking about in the interview he hardly knows what he's talking about i got to say in my defense and anybody from america will know this getting information on tiger Tales was very minimal right the albums came out yeah. that was it there was no press so when you talk about like you had an ep that didn't come out here. I didn't know about it. You know what I mean? Even with the single where they, when they redid um, your song there, when, when Kim Hooker came in the band. That didn't come out here. I, did, I didn't find that till later on YouTube. So for us USA Tiger Tales fans, in our defense, in pre-internet, there was nothing.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, it's weird because you say, you say that. and I think, what I don't know what happened after Young and Crazy, but Young and Crazy came out on Relativity Combat in the States. And apparently, it was pushed quite hard over there. And the Berserk album, as far as I'm aware, came out only as an import, as, as did probably the singles, as did my single, you know. So, yeah, I, I kind of understand where you're coming from there.
0: Yeah, and, and I told James, got- I'll tell you, um, I, was, I was a kid. I think I was 11 years old when that album came out. And I just bought that. <laughs> I, I bought it. Based on the cover, because there was no video for that. There was no video in America for that album. So I bought it. I said, oh, man, these guys look cool. They look like Poison and Motley Crue. I'm going to buy this. And obviously, yes. you sounded a lot different. You know, like I said, you were heavier. You had, a, you had a different vibe, and I fell in love with it right away. But like I said, after that, it was there really wasn't much of Tiger Tails in America.
1: No, I, I, I don't know why. I, I, I don't know what happened with the second record. I, uh, obviously, I wasn't on it, so I couldn't tell you, but... It didn't seem to come out in the places that Young and Crazy came out. I don't know if that was to do with the record company. I don't know if it was to do with uh, uh, maybe uh, Relativity didn't distribute that record. I, I, I don't know. I, I thought that would have been worldwide as well, you know. But uh, like I say, Jay would be able to tell you all that story. I, I have no idea. Just what Ace has told me, you know. And uh, he, he never really explained to me why that happened.
0: Yeah, and you got to figure we're getting to a tough time nineteen ninety 1990 to nineteen ninety one. All the hair model oh, and yeah. glam rock was was on its way out. So even if it did get here, it, it probably couldn't make an impact based on what was going on here. So.
1: Yeah, I, I don't understand. I mean, you know, hypothetically, I'm saying if I was still in the band, we'd have done another record in eighty eight. You know, right? Because we'd rec- like I say we'd recorded we'd recorded young and crazy in 87, Well, probably eighty six, the first version of it. So by the time it came out, those songs were old, you know. Right. So uh, we'd, al- we'd already started writing new songs, uh, m- uh, me and Nick, Jay. And uh, I-, I don't know why it took them so long. I-, I have no idea. And by the time it came out, it was almost over, you know. That, that scene was almost uh, dead in the water.
0: Yeah. And you know what's funny is when you probably have done this too, if you look at some of your favorite bands or, or even a band that you're in, a lot of it's based on a timeline, right? You, For all of us today in, in 2020, we can look back and say, man, if uh, if Tiger Tales would have did an album in 89 with you, right, or or whatever, even if they would have done an album a couple years earlier... It could have been huge, you know what I mean. Yeah. And what's always hindsight is twenty twenty, and here we are in twenty twenty. But I do that all the time. I'll look at bands' careers and I'll say, man, if they just could have did that album a year earlier before like grunge hit or whatever, it could have been a totally different album. Totally different.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, like you say, it has a time frame on it. It has a, has a certain time frame. If we could all see that, you know, hindsight would would be great, but. I think most of us thought it would probably last forever at the time, you know. Yeah. We 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 didn't we didn't we couldn't see what was around the corner. But by the time grunge came in, I think it needed a clear out because there was some awful bands getting on some major labels. And it's the same with everything. Once it's oversaturated, you know, it, it starts. It, it just starts getting watered down and. And and yeah, some of those bands, you know, there was some, don't get me wrong, there was some good records, but there was some awful bands around
0: as well. I believe, yeah. So now for the U.S., did you play, have you played in the U.S. with Tiger Tales or without Tiger Tales? Have you ever played the U.S.? No,
1: I only played in the U.S. when I was in a cover band with Ace in about 85. But uh, that was the only only time I ever played there. We, I, I don't know the story behind why we didn't go to America, but basically when young and crazy was released there was talk of going to the states there was talk of touring, touring out there but the management said uh, we can't go out there because he'll get shot meaning me mm. so <laughs> i even got the blame for that
0: so for the, out of u.s bands what were some of the bands that glam bands that came out in the 80s that you thought were decent
1: some of the glam bands in the
0: 80s yeah who'd you think was good
1: um, I, I don't know if, if you could call them glam, they're hair metal, I suppose they, they've got that moniker on them, but I always thought Jamie Lane was, was head and shoulders above everybody in the songwriting department, the songs were, were great, were killer, uh, and uh, I saw Warren over here at the Astoria in London, uh, I think they'd just bought Cherry Pie out, I can't remember what year it was, but they were absolutely brilliant. They were great live. I'd seen them in, uh, before that, before they got signed when I, I was, uh, I was out in LA for, for a month and we went to the whiskey and there, there was quite a few bands that had just been signed and they were playing like a showcase. There was Warrant, LA Guns, The Moles. I forget the, the other name of the other band, but there was, there was this little showcase going on. And I just thought, oh, Warrant, they, they don't sound great, but LA Guns sounded great to me. And when the albums came out, it was like a role reversal, you know. <laughs> I just thought Jamie, Jamie Lane was, you know, for that era, he was the man. Absolutely, he was the man.
0: I agree with you 100%. You know, it's funny, as time goes on, like, certain albums grow on you, and other ones, you you don't. Yeah. You just don't get it. And when I listen to that Warrant debut album, every single song is great. His voice is great. I mean, that's it's just an amazing album. Amazing.
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And, and when you get to the second album... You know, Take Off Cherry Pie, I don't think he even like that. No, Uncle Tom's Cabin is just superb, you know? Big time. As is the songwriting on the second album.
0: So on Spotify, you've got an album, and this is basically like some of your EP stuff and your demo stuff. Why don't you tell everybody about that album? Yeah, it came out,
1: it was called Damned If I Do, Damned If I Don't when we released it. It's just basically a bunch of demos, as you say, with the EP tapped onto the end of it and it was stuff i did through the years there's actually a couple of tiger tales songs on there um i think now you're on your own is on there in fact i know it is and uh there's i think there's a song called take it to the limit on there as well which was a a, a tiger tales demo before um before i got fired you know and uh yeah the the other songs is uh the three from the ep the Cat on the captain roof kick that habit and talk to the town which scott Goran produced and uh the rest are, are, are demos through the years, up to the point where I released it, you know. There's a couple of Crash KO songs on there as well, which we did in about 82, 83, which I, to this day, I really like. I, I, you know, that, that band was cursed as well. But uh, yeah, it's basically a bunch of, you know, a bunch of demos put on a, on a record to, uh, to make up the 10 or so tracks on there. But uh, we took it in the studio and we got it mastered by a guy in uh, Islington in London. And, uh, yeah, I, I think it came out well. It's not, you know, it's not a record per se as, as I went in and recorded it all in one go. It's like I say, it's, it's over the years. And it was just, uh, it was just tapes laying about and I thought, mm, I might as well use them, you know? People were asking if I had this, if I had that. And, uh, the EP never came out on CD. So, uh, yeah, so we put it all together and released it on a, on the album, Damned If I Do, Damned If I Don't. And then a guy in Sweden wanted to re-release it. So he renamed it Glam Damnation. He, uh, he put a bonus track on there and, uh, and then he put it out. But, um, yeah, it's a mixture of songs. I mean, you, you can, you know, if you listen to it, you can tell the decades are changing. There's some Aussie type songs on there and there's also some glam stuff, you know.
0: Yeah, it's got some great stuff on there. And then in two thousand eight, you put out My Private Hell. That one is great. I mean, your voice sounds great, and it, I can hear like a little bit of a European metal vibe in that one. Is that true, or you, you believe that?
1: Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Because I recorded that in Sweden with a guy called Chris Laney and uh, another guy called Anders Anders Ringman, and um, it was yeah, it was it was basically them doing the music and me writing the writing some of the lyrics on that and uh, melodies and bits and bobs. And I went out there, and it was the first time I'd ever done a record where somebody took the time with me. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like we were warming up in the studio; it was all alien to me. You know, I, with Tiger Tales, I just went in, ripped my voice out, and left. With this, we took the time over it, and uh, and, and really, you know, really went to town on it. And I, I think it sounds. It, I'm really proud of that record to this day. There's some great songs on there. You know, there really is some good songs on that. But it was. Uh, as you say, it sounds European, probably because it
0: is. <laughs> well see I'm not crazy. Uh, <laughs> uh any plans to do another solo album?
1: Yeah, yeah, there is. Yeah, they're talking about it this year. I I've, I've been talking to a guy about it this year and we're getting some stuff together. I did uh believe it or people will laugh when you hear this. I did two AOR tracks uh about a year and a half ago that are coming out on a on, um, on an album called Santa Ana Winds this year. And uh, it's basically, I think the songs were written by Van Morrison's ex-wife, but they're really great songs. And uh, I went, you know, the, the guy who was putting it together said, "Did you fancy singing on two songs, AOR songs? And I kind of, my jaw hit the floor a bit, and I thought, well, you know, it's way out of my comfort, comfort zone, and uh, it's something I'll never, ever do again. So I went in and uh and, and put down two tracks and uh they've come out really well. They they really have. We're quite we're quite chuffed with it, you know. I'm no Steve Perry, of course, but uh, you know, my my voice kinda suits they're they're a harder edged AOR, so my voice kinda suits the two tunes that I've done. So hopefully that's out in a couple of months. It's uh it's all being it's all being put together as we speak. So But yeah, I i, I I've got some songs for another record and you know, health permitting, as I've told you, it's uh, maybe I'll get to uh, finish that all off this year.
0: Oh, that sounds awesome! So, closing up, what do you want to tell your fans? Uh, what do you want to say to the fans out there?
1: Uh, thanks for all the support over the years. You know, there's been some there's been some great times, there's been some bad times, but a lot of people have stuck with me, and uh, it's just nice to know, even talking to you now, that. That that album made an impact, Young and Crazy made an impact on you when you listened to it. I mean, who, who'd have thought, you know, 33, 35 years, whatever it is later, I'd be sat on the phone talking about that record. I wouldn't have dreamed that when we wrote the songs, you know. Wouldn't have dreamed it at all. But, yeah, it just just thanks for all the support. And, uh, you know, hopefully if I do a new record this year, they'll go out and uh, listen to it and buy it.
0: That's great. Well, Stevie, thanks so much for the time today, man. I, I really enjoyed chatting with you a uh, lot of great Tiger Tales insight so no this was great man really appreciate it
1: oh no thank you Mike really, really appreciate you taking the time to bother to talk to me man it's it's, uh, it's great you know and uh, yeah it's been, a no- it's been a nice call actually walking down Mary Lane some of it's been a bit of a car crash but uh, <laughs> I've got some good memories about it you know
0: well seeing that Stevie and I both have the gift of gab I'm surprised we kept this interview under an hour but we got a lot of great Tiger Tales information Hope you enjoyed it. Rock on.